Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allen Derry, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Doc Griggs, and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health literacy and communications expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19. You can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. So welcome to COVID Noise Filter. My name is Dr. Mark Yandere, and we are so happy to have guest co-hosting with us, Nurse Julia. Welcome to the show, Nurse Julia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be coming on board with you guys. Thank you so much. And now on to the show. Mandatory travel quarantine in other countries, Thailand, South Korea, Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Singapore. Today, we wrap up our reporting of mandatory travel quarantines in various countries around the globe. We will focus on the Asian continent in this segment as we discuss five countries and their quarantine details, Thailand, South Korea, Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Singapore. All right. So in Thailand, one of my favorite countries in the world, like other countries that were mentioned previously, they've enforced a 14-day quarantine for all visitors. The quarantine takes place in a quote-unquote, government-approved alternative lodging. These are luxury resorts and hotels that have been redesigned to accommodate quarantines while providing an enjoyable experience, and the cost can range anywhere between 1000 to 2000 US dollars. So while you're quarantining, you are also paying a lot of money to do so. <laughs> now, as of February 12th, Thailand has reported over 24,000 cases and 80 deaths attributed to COVID-19. According to CNN, Thailand is another country that has been relatively successful in limiting the transmission of COVID-19. South Korea. Like Thailand, South Korea allows travel from other countries, including high-risk ones like the U.S. To enter South Korea, travelers must have proof of a negative COVID test result once they arrive. Additionally, they must enter a 14-day quarantine at an approved hotel. Costs are to be covered by the travelers themselves. The CDC considers South Korea a level two, moderate level for COVID-19. Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, the government has instituted a longer quarantine period for travelers at 21 days. Travelers will spend the quarantine period in an approved facility and must test negative on day 11 and day 21 of their stay. Like the other mentioned countries, costs are covered by the traveler. Travelers may stay in a variety of lodging facilities from affordable to luxury hotels. Meals are delivered directly to their rooms. Taiwan. In January of this year, Taiwan edited its earlier travel restrictions and now only allows entry to its citizens and residents. Like New Zealand and Thailand, Taiwan has had remarkably low transmission of the virus since May. The new quarantine program is a 14-day period for entrance, requiring them to provide contact information and the location of their quarantine place for health officials. Taiwan has also taken advantage of GPS tracking and smartphones to monitor travelers during their quarantine stay. Singapore. 
Singapore allows travelers from outside countries to enter, including those from the U.S. Like most countries with travel quarantine, Singapore requires 14-day quarantine stay for all visitors. Now, the exception to this mandatory quarantine is if a traveler is coming from a low-COVID risk country. These travelers are not required to enter the 14-day mandatory quarantine. Where do you think uh, the U.S. is on that list of either low-COVID risk or high-COVID risk country? I think we, we, yeah, we're, we're at a high, high up there. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, these yep. travelers are not required to enter the 14 day mandatory quarantine. I imagine if an American is going to Singapore, they are coming from a high COVID risk country. Absolutely. They are absolutely needing to do the 14 day mandatory quarantine. Now, of course, the cost is paid by the traveler. And again, it's about 2000 US dollars for the duration. I guess it's, it's funny, not funny. You know, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, but it's the truth. And I I have said this a million times before, but I think that when the generation like yours, Julia, when the new medical leaders who have mindsets like yours, I would love for my generation to be stepping up and taking leadership. And I think that we will. But I think that the next generation of healthcare leaders that are from your generation would never allow the fiasco that happened with COVID-19. And, and I think that as healthcare providers, we should make sure that we never forget what happened and that we should always be front and center to make sure that a fiasco like that never happens. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Tribal health providers and vaccine success. This CNN article highlights the success that many tribal health providers have had in distributing the COVID-19 vaccine. Throughout the pandemic, Native people have experienced higher rates of infection, hospitalization, and deaths, but their vaccination system has been more efficient, even allowing them to vaccinate as young as 16. We're going to highlight a few things that contribute to this success. So, first of all, there is culturally relevant messaging. Now, despite the terrible medical history of Native people, 75% are willing to get the vaccine because they feel a responsibility to protect their community and help preserve their culture. Now, the Cherokee specifically emphasized fluent speakers, which increased confidence and optimism, according to the chief. Now, the Navajo Nation which is where I live for four years, so I have a special place in my heart for the Navajo Nation. The Navajo Nation increased confidence in the vaccine by filming the president of the tribe getting the vaccine, continually answering questions on the radio and holding town halls. And it's important for them to have fluent speakers. And, and by fluent speakers, that means people who speak Navajo talk about their vaccine. Autonomy. Tribes are considered sovereign nations and respond to unique challenges they may face. For instance, the CDC recommends vaccinating those over 75 first, but their life expectancy is much younger, so they expanded their system. The Native people in Alaska have developed a smooth vaccine rollout because of their community-focused healthcare system. That's right. In fact, big investments in healthcare is another one. The Cherokee Nation has made big investments in healthcare, leading them to have the largest tribally operated health system. This allowed them to set up a call center to reach eligible citizens. They were able to contact residents via robocalls, which helped avoid long lines and confusing online signups. In fact, the Cherokee chief said the U.S. doesn't prioritize access to healthcare, contributing negatively to the pandemic. And boy, is that Cherokee chief right? 
The tribal leaders can keep up with this success as long as the United States can provide them with the vaccines they need. They have a system where as soon as they receive the vaccine, it is injected. Yeah, what they've been doing, Nurse Julia, has been amazing with respect to vaccinations. And the tribal nations in Alaska have been able to actually start vaccinating 16-year-olds way before everybody else. And there's also a culture of we in these indigenous communities. They really do look out for one another. And so in making sure that they had high vaccination rates, what they were essentially doing was not only looking out for one another, but looking out for the elders as well. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's so interesting. And to piggyback off of what you were saying, I love that there's a sense of preservation amongst them, you know, to yes. preserve their community and their culture. So uh, their motives are deeply rooted, you know. Absolutely. And lastly, the language, because some of these uh, languages are at risk of becoming extinct as well with mm. the epidemic. We've covered that on previous stories here on Noise Filter, but we'll continue to follow the story. Again, I have a personal experience living four years on the Navajo reservation. And so just kind of watching how an infectious disease moves through indigenous communities is something that we'll continue to follow here on COVID Noise Filter. Just as a reminder that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Doc Griggs. Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at DocGriggs1 on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to noisefiltershow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc, protect yourself and others by staying home, and please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.